When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jahan Jones. Hey, y'all. I'm Taryn Finley. And it's your boy, Shaquille Romblay. And let's just get right into it, folks. Singer, rapper Danny Lay made a song about her light skin complexion, and many, including myself, took offense to her lyrics. Yellow Bowman is what he wants, calling a shot to colorism. And whether the song is hot or not, which it isn't, Danny Lay says she was misunderstood. She issued an apology saying, as a Dominican who identifies as Afro-Latino, she doesn't see color. So does her apology make things worse? What do you think, John? Well, the apology didn't make things better, I'll say. The apology seemed kind of uh, belated. But I'll say, like, the audience that she was being sold to initially... It's not the audience that she's being sold to now, at least in my view. Mm. And so I don't know what to attribute that to, a transformation on her end or maybe like the a transformation that was done on her behalf by her her PR team. But the Danny Lay that I knew of when she was doing, uh, what's that song? That's my babe, babe. That's my, or something like Yeah. It's kind of different um, character-wise, it seems, from the Danny Lay people know now. And I just don't really know what accounts for that. I also don't know that I'm the audience that she's being sold to either. So maybe it's not for me to understand. What do you think, Taryn? Taryn. Taryn got thoughts. <laughs> don't bury her. Don't bury her. Don't dig her down into the ground. Listen, I'm not. I'm honestly not because I really don't have the energy to. And I, I really don't feel like, you know, she's necessarily deserving of of that energy, of the energy that I do have. Um Quite frankly, I don't expect much from Danny Lay. I just don't. Um, just like I don't expect much from a lot of cookie cutter, racially ambiguous acts out there. Um, I know that they're not for me. You know, they may give a little vibe or a little bop or, you know, a, a good feature on a song or whatever. But to be honest, I heard the song and I busted out laughing. I'm like, this this girl cannot be serious. Clearly, there is a lot to unpack mm. there, you know, colorism being, you know, one of the biggest things. But quite frankly, like I couldn't necessarily give her my energy, mostly because this is bigger than Danny Lay. <laughs> like this, this is an issue that we have seen time and time again since before hip hop was mm-hmm. even born. Yes. So it's just a matter of honestly breaking that shit down and and seeing and laying it all out and seeing the layers here because 
Obviously, she didn't see the layers. She got on Triller and did that and thought it was fun and whatever, but it wasn't. It was tacky. It sounded terrible. And then she followed it up with some tweets back doubling down on her, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, on 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 her song saying like, oh, I'm trying to make something for the light-skinned girl. Da, 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 da. Like, okay, like you, you aren't thinking, your team isn't thinking, I don't know what's not clicking. So when I finally saw that apology, and she's given a very much, oh, my man is black. My friends are black, which a she chocolate, said, chocolate. she said, right. she said, right. chocolate man, melanin friends. Girl, yeah. what is that? Stop making us food. And, Stop making and us food. it's just like, okay, obviously she doesn't get it. She doesn't want to get it. Um, Cause that was a non-apology. And I didn't, I didn't even really expect much from the apology. And, you know, what killed me about this was some idiots on social media were talking about, well, if Beyonce could make a song like Brown Skin Girl, why can't she make a yellow bo- a song dedicated to the yellow bones? And I'm just like, you can't even compare the two. You know what I mean? To be light-skinned and live in the United States is you can turn on the television and feel seen, feel recognized. You have political leaders. And I'm not, I'm not coming for light-skinned people, but I'm just saying to be light-skinned, there's just so much more representation. The standard of beauty, you see yourself so many times but there's so many dark-skinned women who cannot see themselves in media cannot see themselves in politics cannot see themselves almost anywhere so the two don't even make any damn sense it feels very much like you know when white people say oh i don't see color oh da, da, da. when when white people try to deny all of these things um that are a product of racism that's what it feels like when light-skinned people try to come in and conflate brown skin girl and anthem trying to celebrate chocolate women and you know all of these claims of you know darker skin women need and want and desire to be seen it it sounds like y'all y'all sound like the same white people or y'all sound like the white people who are trying to deny racism light skin people trying to deny colorism and then on top of that how could you say you don't see color but make a saw called yellow bone make it make sense fair point very fair point All right, well, guys, before we get too far and start shaking the tables, we have a special guest joining us to help us break it all down. She's not only my fellow NYU alum, but she's also one of my dope-ass friends. I think I took her to her first gay club. (laughs) Okay, okay. She's also a multifaceted media personality whose work is just bomb as hell. Her work goes beyond words. Let's welcome writer and journalist EVA Ani to the mic. Welcome, EVA. I'm giving you snaps. Can you hear that? Now, now, that's very yeah. poetic. Thank yeah. you. I got you. So let's get right into it. Hip hop started off as a musical genre that was not only pro-black, but it was also a social justice tool. How do you think we've gotten to the point where artists feel comfortable producing songs such as Yellowbone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't do nothing but laugh at it, honestly. You got to laugh it off at first, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I have to laugh. I have to laugh. Um, I think how did an artist like Dan Lay get to the forefront of this industry in order to create a song like Yellow Bone? If I'm being quite frank, I cannot name another Dan Lay song. Mm. Um, I remember when she came into the industry, I remember when she burst onto the scene and I did not understand the hype. And this is not an attack at her. Mm-hmm. I did not understand what the appeal was 
because her music was not moving, riveting. Her music was very, very much so formulaic in terms of what we generally hear for popular music. Mm -hmm. But I say that to say that a lot of the criticism that we're hearing now, as far as this song that she released, Yellowbone, is aligned with my early sentiments of why is she here? And it is pretty much so based in the fact that women of a certain skin tone, i.e. light skin, i.e. any type of proximity to whiteness, whether it's feature wise or just skin tone wise or anything that is palatable to whiteness, women like that tend to get propped up in hip hop, not just in hip hop, in music in general. So for Danle to be in a position where she's super popular, just to be in the limelight, just to have a record deal, and for her to create that song just speaks to a bigger issue that we have in the industry. Who gets propped up and why? Mm, yeah, I think that's a perfect segue into looking at, you know, the past recent years where we've seen so many women really dominate hip hop and R&B. And as we know, colorism shows up in very specific and harmful ways for Black women, you know? How have you noticed it show up with this new class of women in hip-hop, especially in regards to who's getting a shot and who's not? Name the top female rappers out right now and see what commonalities they have in appearance. We can even name the people on the lower teal, Dream Doll. It, this is like, it's you. you have to be blind to not see what's happening here yeah. or what's been happening. Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj yeah. really set the framework for what labels wanted to recreate. It just so happened that that was her appearance, right? It just so happened she's light-skinned, what have you. But the rest of her appearance also had an effect on what labels wanted to kind of create carbon copies of, whether it's her body, her image, her style the colorful wigs and what have you, obviously sourced from Lil' Kim and that whole era, but Nicki Minaj took it to a different level so that labels literally just wanted a carbon copy of her. Mm -hmm. So if a light-skinned woman sells, they're going to want to replicate that in all capacities. Let me ask you this then. So in the 90s, we had Missy Elliott, we had MC Light, we had Foxy Brown, and the list, we had we had Roxanne. What happened? Is it just the fact that because Nicki Minaj is so profitable, this is what we believe is going to make us money, so we're going to stick to this model and this framework? I don't, I don't think it can be pinned all on, like, Nicki Minaj, you know, mm-hmm. being that the blueprint for what labels were looking for. I think that's a big part of it, but colorism has always existed, Mm -hmm. especially in the nineties, just because we had uh, better examples of a broader uh, vision of what black women look like, whether it's Missy Elliott and all these different names that you just listed, it still existed and it was heavily prevalent. Um, I'm thinking what happened was I guess what always happens, just proximity to whiteness sells. It's a comfortability thing. It's about what's palatable, what's digestible, and it's not just in music. They are not as quote unquote threatening visually and more so to white people. It's not just music. The biggest black stars, especially particularly women, tend to be light skinned. Look Mm -hmm. at Beyonce. Mm 
Rihanna, yeah. Mariah Carey, the list goes on. And these are not, this is not to say that these women are not talented or what have you, but it is very clear that if they were darker, they likely would not have reached that global superstardom because their image would not have been deemed, quote unquote, palatable, marketable. There have been countless stories on the back end of labels and music executives or whomever the powers that be kind of stifling darker skinned black women's careers or putting them down for the rationale that they wouldn't be able to sell or this yeah. is the image that doesn't work. Like there's a million stories out there. There's a viral video that's circulating right now from a few years mm. ago in mm -hmm. which Rick Ross and The Dream um, mm. had some type of reality show. Two women singing the same song. One is super talented. The other is kind of bland. She's light skinned, has the, you know, Coke bottle body. The second one, who's the talented one, is dark skinned, you know, slim, has natural hair. And they told the dark skinned woman that she wasn't good and they moved the light-skinned woman forward that video infuriated me so much because um the the light-skinned woman um who went first you know she definitely had this like specific look you know and it was it was very much in this cookie cutter phenotype that music likes to prop up and honestly just society in general likes to prop up light-skinned women and her song sounded bad it was trash. It sounded bad. It was very much trash, you know? And and the dark-skinned woman, Kaya, I believe is her name, she just sounded so amazing. And I, I love that, you know, in, in the aftermath of it going viral, people were pouring love onto her. But it's like, why do we always have to call out these blatant examples of dark-skinned women getting the brunt or not getting opportunities in the aftermath, like years later, in order for it to click. Exactly. It literally takes some type of call-out culture for people to kind of recognize and support people that generally get dismissed. Can I ask you, EVA, about that clip? Um, the Dream responded uh, in a series of tweets, I believe, saying that he was taken aback that anyone would question um, his support for dark-skinned Black women and his um, example for his support was that he includes a lot of dark-skinned Black women in his videos. And it just strikes me that a lot of Black men in particular confuse attraction for activism. And sometimes they assume that because they got a dark-skinned Black woman singing Shadi is the shit with them, that that amounts to advocacy. So what goes through your mind um, when you hear responses like that? First of all, <laughs> first of all, I don't think people are ready to move past colorism beyond desirability. We can get into that. <laughs> Mm, that's a word. Yeah, I don't think people are there yet because they barely understand colorism itself. So the dream alluding to his inclusion of dark-skinned Black women as props in videos <laughs> is not. It it doesn't. It doesn't absolve him of the colorism that was on display in that video. It doesn't absolve him or anyone else in the industry of the conditioned colorism they probably practice by default. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at his baby moms, hmm. all of them. Yeah. That's not even to single him out. Mm -hmm. Look at yeah. all of the prominent black men in entertainment, who they are with, um, who they married to, who they're dating. Um, 
And, you know, Dan Layden's catching a lot of heat for this song. How many black rappers, dark skinned black rappers and beyond always talk about light skinned women? We have people like Lil Wayne, who is considered one of the greatest rappers of all time, who has said heinous things about dark skinned women mm -hmm. and who's continuously propped up light skinned women, even at the expense of his own dark skinned daughter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who has dissed his own dark skinned daughter while propping up light skinned women and he catches no heat. Yeah. So Danley is catching a lot of heat because obviously misogyny is still a thing, even though she is wrong, you know, with her uh, colorist lens, she's still wrong, but she's catching a lot of heat because she's a woman at the end of the day, you know, and men do it all the time in hip hop. So there's a whole culture of it. Shaquille, I know you were talking about Kodak Black. Yeah, I mean, to think that Kodak Black on numerous occasions has rejected dark-skinned women when him himself is a very dark-skinned man. And we have Chris Brown who has said things like he only likes women with good hair. Why do we continue to celebrate and give these artists our dimes, our dollars, and why do they still have so much prominence? Why haven't we canceled these artists who continue, Lil Wayne, Chris Brown, Kodak Black, and so many more who continue to shit on dark-skinned women? Well, both of them are canceled in my book, but I, I can only speak for me. Yeah. I'm not listening to a Chris Brown song and I don't know how long Kodak Black has court cases he needs to be worried about, not light-skinned women. It's misogyny. It's very much so a double, double standard. Um, men get away with a lot more rape and murder and what have you, like no exaggeration. Men who are entertainers get away with a lot more harm, literal harm and harm that's not so tangible. They just get away with it more so than women in the industry. And there's just more of a culture of sweeping it under the rug or giving people the benefit of the doubt for people's own enjoyment of their cultural productions. So I guess people don't want to feel the guilt that would be associated with listening and consuming their cultural productions while knowing that the reality of who they are is attached to harm to marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. I don't think people want to reckon with the type of guilt associated with that or the type of like personal responsibility or accountability associated with that. And the type of individual re-reckoning you have to have with yourself and your politics. Like it's one thing to understand what colorism is, but are you confronting it in yourself, in your community? Are you confronting it in the stuff that you consume? I don't think people want to do all of that work. We have to take a real quick break, but when we return, we keep the kitchen table talk going with music and culture critic EVA Ani. And that's that. Stay with us, y'all. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. 
there's something very insidious about colorism where it feels like everybody knows it exists, but at the same time, they act like they don't. And because on top of colorism, we have this other phenomenon that's happening that, you know, isn't quite necessarily new, but is taking shape in a very new way. And I'm talking about blackfishing, all of these white women who are trying to posit themselves as racially ambiguous women, as light-skinned black women. And it's entered the picture and as, as this way of white women trying to gain access to blackness, to black spaces at the most quote unquote desirable and privileged point that black womanhood can be. And so many people are just letting them happen. We even saw two blackfish in the Ivy Park campaign recently. What does it say about like how naive society wants us to believe that it is in this whole colorism conversation? Oh, I think this, this new digital landscape makes it a lot harder and makes things a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that social media has allowed people to literally infiltrate communities. And it's just very difficult for people to discern who's who and what's what. So I think that's another layer added onto this conversation that might not be talked about as much, but people are getting away with a lot on the internet. And black fishing is definitely one of them. But we see like iterations of that in real life. If you look at the Kardashian-Jenner family, that is the quintessential example of black fishing and community infiltrating in its fullest form um, as far as what they do with their image, the product that they sell, the uh, demographics that they exploit and mimic. It's very difficult to even explain, but I think we've been seeing it play out in real time. Um, And it's just the way that colorism and racism and all of these other things just play into it. It's just so layered, like layered in the worst way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Add capitalism under that too, (sighs) because they're doing it for a buck. Exactly. (sighs) Yeah, that's true. Exactly. You were so steeped in music culture. And so I got to ask if there are any music executives or collectives that you think are doing a good job of kind of combating colorism. A lot of the artists that I'm paying attention to are primarily Black women. I think my favorite artist right now is Brie Runway. And she makes a concerted effort to only put dark-skinned women in her videos. Mm. And she is dark-skinned herself, you know? And I I think she just, um, she was tweeting about this recently um, because someone made a joke that she has like no light-skinned people in her videos. And she said, it's really the opposite. In reality, people just don't put dark-skinned people in their videos. People don't highlight Mm dark-skinned beauty. Right. Um, So she's just making a concerted effort to do the opposite. I mean, what I like about this conversation is you highlight the many layers there is to colorism, right? And something that I've noticed is that there are a lot of male prominent entertainers who are dark-skinned, right? But colorism has a more aggressive effect on women entertainers. There are not as many dark-skinned women who are singers or who are MCs. Why is the impact on colorism so much greater on women than it is on men? Is it just misogyny? So... When I think about I want to be very careful with the words that I want to use to describe this, because I would say that colorism still affects men just mm-hmm. differently. Yes. There are different connotations attached to dark-skinned men 
that are uh, not attached, well, can be attached to dark-skinned women. There's this trope or joke of a trope that dark-skinned men are more strong when it comes to desirability, more powerful, and that the joke is light-skinned men are softer and weaker. Um, when you translate that to women, the trope is that dark-skinned women are more masculine mm -hmm. or stronger, but in a negative sense. Um, and light-skinned women are more desirable, more worthy of love, hence why you see more so women who are leads in films and TV shows are light-skinned women uh, who are romantic leads. You rarely see dark-skinned women who are romantic leads in partnership mm -hmm. with dark-skinned men. Perfect example is Zendaya as a romantic lead in the new movie, Malcolm and Marie. Um, that's not a knock on Zendaya and her acting abilities. It's just the same old image of a light-skinned Black woman and a dark-skinned Black man. Mm -hmm. Seen it a million times, it's tired. Um, reinforces the trope that light-skinned women are desirable and worthy of love and dark-skinned women are not. It reinforces the reality that Black men in entertainment usually go for light-skinned Black women. And that's that. It's just pretty tiring at this point. Like, even when I'm yeah. talking about it, it's just like... Yeah, yeah, it really is. But when we talk about all of these things, all of these power structures, I think that a lot of people circling back to Danny Lay and, you know, folks like her, they're not thinking in that way. And that's how we get songs like Yellow Bone. That's how we get all of these other things that end up putting people with different features or, or darker features or whatever down. And, and this makes me think about the complexities of even someone like Danny Lay, right? Because she comes from Dominican parents and people are questioning, is she black? Is she not? However, you know, this, this is when things get complicated, especially with Latinx not really being considered a race. What does all this conversation say about the complexities of race and hip hop? And what does it also say about who is given a seat at the table in hip hop? That's a really good point, because I think people don't still don't understand the differences between race, nationality, and ethnicity. It's different all across the world, but when it comes to hip-hop, women who look like Daniel Lea always popped up. Mm -hmm. Always. Whether it's to be objectified in music videos, to be props in music videos, to be the leads in music videos, or to be the prominent stars, to be the prominent celebrities. Um, that's how it translates. People yeah. who look like her get far in the industry. People who look like her end up dating hip hop stars. She's dating the baby. The whole controversy around the personal elements of that relationship, because apparently his baby mother is dark skinned and he left her for Dan Lay. Mm -hmm. And it just speaks to this theme that I have seen in which a rapper, normally a dark skinned black male rapper, before he's famous, he has a baby mom's and he has a baby with that baby mom's and that baby mom's is usually dark skin. The more famous he gets, the lighter his women get, the lighter his kids get. It is a pattern when they reach a certain space, a certain social tier, the types of women that they have access to or the types of women that they feel they need to represent some type of status symbol tend to be lighter or non-black, period. EVA speaking that word, laying it down proper for us. We appreciate you. We really appreciate you. Do you have anything to plug or can you at least let our audience know where they can find your work? You can find me at EVAani.com. Um, 
You can find me on Instagram at eva.ani. You can find me on Twitter at eva.ani. I have a lot of stuff coming up. I don't know if I should reveal it yet. Okay. There okay. it is. EVA, thank you so much for joining us. Show them what the black NYU students do. <laughs> okay, go off. I'm going to give y'all that. I'm going to give y'all that. <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone. And that's that for this week. Thanks again to our guest, the always on point blonde bombshell, EVA Ani. Our show is produced and edited by Izzy Think Big. Think positive. Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Best. Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. I love those. That was something else. Where's that from? Like, is that is that from is that from the stock market mayhem this week? Okay. I'm Jahan Jones. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Jahan. I'm Taryn Finley. You can find me at underscore Taryn It Up. And I'm Shaquille Romblay. You can follow me at Romblay everywhere. We'll be back next week. Until then, you know what you can do. Keep it juicy. Juicy fruit. Juice. <laughs> juicy. Bye. <laughs> 